Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. After our previous podcast that studied the issues attending to signing up and embarking on the Disney dream, we now bring you an entire review of how that first voyage went. If you are at all thinking about going on a Disney cruise in the weeks and months ahead, this is the podcast for you. We are joined by Leah and David Zanola of Out the Door Travel, who gives us their insights and perspectives of the entire experience. From rooms to dining, from kids clubs to entertainment, from poolside to Castaway Cay, we are looking at how returning from this pandemic may have actually created a better cruising experience in many respects. So join us for this fascinating look at the Disney Dream's first voyage out of Port Canaveral in nearly a year and a half. Make sure that you also check out our post at disneyatplay.com and uh, make sure you sign up so that you can receive podcasts as they come. I should preface this before we uh, join up with David and Leah. David has been, because he of his own personal health and the health of his family, he has been very attentive to making sure he has and his family have been COVID safe throughout this entire experience. So focused that they chose just days prior to coming down here from Illinois to actually traveling by car rather than going by plane. They have been very focused on making sure that they had a practical and safe experience on the Disney dream. So I think that his perspective is hugely important and he understands those who may have concerns about this. I should also say, that, and by the way, if you haven't listened to the previous podcast, you want to make sure you do that because we actually talk to them before they get on uh, the ship at Disney's Polynesian Resort. And we talk about some of the issues with um, with signing up and, and then uh, subsequently the very first day of embarkation and what happens as they, they board the ship. So you want to check that too. But in this particular podcast, we're now after the cruise is over and they're actually traveling back to Illinois by car. So I say that to let you know they did that for health purposes, one. And second, that's what's causing a little bit of the audio challenges that we have in this podcast. So please be patient. We're sorry if it's not perfect audio, but let me just assure you the things they share, if you are all interested in going on a Disney cruise, you need to listen to some of the things they share because they really offer some great insights um, in planning such a trip. So without further ado, let's join David and Leah and talk about their experience aboard the Disney Dream. All right, so I am privileged again to have David and Leah join us on this podcast except now it's after the cruise. So our first time together was before the cruise, then we had a couple of videos from them. Now we get to enjoy them here um, for this recording. Dave and Leah, how are you doing today? We're doing great, we're on our, on our way home. 
Very good. I hope you are uh, traveling safely. Um, so uh, when we last left off, um, the ship was taking off. You had done a preview of the room and you had talked a little bit about uh, the process going through uh, the terminal, but you said to me the other uh, earlier when we spoke um, that you noticed some were not getting on the ship. What was going on there? Well, so obviously we do not know definitively the reasons that there were some not getting on. However, when we were about to pull away, and it was after seven. I mean, it, was it was probably like seven thirty. Yeah, it was probably close to seven thirty yeah. when we finally started pulling away. We were done with dinner. There were a couple of families that were waiting out um, on the car drop off, where you would typically pull up at the beginning or end of the cruise to then pick up your luggage or drop off your luggage, and then you know the the porter service takes your luggage and gets it onto the ship, and then you go on and through. There were some families waiting there, clearly kind of pacing back and forth, waiting for some transportation to come get them. And on a typical, like any other time, any other cruise, it would have been possible that those were people getting off of the cruise that morning and something had happened with transportation and they were delayed. But since there was no previous cruise to get off of for them, I, my assumption, our assumption is that those were people that um, were likely turned away due to a positive COVID test in their party. Now, again, we don't know that for certain, but I can't think of another reason why they would have been turned away at that point based on all of the other uh, checks and, and, and processes you have to go through in advance other than failing that day of test. So I had heard um, from a, a source or to other source or two that there was, it was believed that there was somewhere between a thousand, maybe upwards to 1500 on this ship. Um, what was your observation? So we kind of asked a lot of questions and as, as you know very well, uh, Disney cast and crew are typically trained to not speak officially on anything because it's not their job to be the mouthpiece of the company. But when we kind of would hear other people talking and they would say, oh, I asked this person how many. And so we kind of almost crowdsourced all of the numbers. And from what we believe is they are right now capping capacity around 1500, but that there were actually only around a thousand on our sailing. I say that, but it felt like only about 500 because the ship at times felt virtually empty. Um, and you had also mentioned in the previous podcast that there there was still there was still availability just days before uh, the sailing. So um, it uh, it, it uh, before we leave the stateroom and go uh, to the other portions of the ship, uh, tell us tell us what was what stateroom service was like. And how that was, how that varied, how that was different from uh, previous cruises. I didn't see any changes um, at all. Actually, I think it was the same. They did increased cleaning. We we talked to our stateroom host, and he said they each do have a uh, their number that they're taking care of is less, um, so they don't have the same number of rooms as normal because they do spend more time cleaning. Um, but as far as anything that the guest would notice, I didn't notice anything different at all. Did you, David? 
No, I didn't notice anything. Uh, in, in terms of the stateroom experience, we did, well, I didn't notice, Leah noticed. There are no longer throw pillows in the room. There, are, there are typically throw pillows on the couch um, and on the bed. Those are no longer there. My assumption is, is they don't want to have to mess with the process it would be to clean those after every time. So those were just gone. Obviously, no big deal whatsoever. Um, those are just decorative, but those, those were gone. Uh, there are no longer the disposable uh, bath products. They're now in like these little glass bottles with pumps, kind of like they moved to the Disney resorts uh, with those little pumps, but instead of being attached to the shower, they were in the, uh, the separate bathrooms um, at the same time, uh, same kind of little plastic pump on the top. Um, other than that, I don't know that I noticed really any other differences with that experience. Did you? No, and I think that the toiletries, I don't think that's a COVID thing. I think that's because I think if it were, then they would be keeping the individual products. I think that's more a part of their Going Green initiative. Uh, we talked to somebody in the uh, dining room. You used to always get a like a, a disinfecting wipe as you walked into every dining room, yes. and they're no longer doing that. You're doing hand sanitizer instead. Uh, it's actually like a moisturizing hand sanitizer, so it doesn't dry your hands out. Interesting. And so they're doing that instead, instead of using you know thousands of wipes every single day. And so, if I'm correct, the Fantasy had a sinks installed at the entrance to, um, well, particularly um, uh, Cabanas. I understood that yeah, the, the Dream, Dream had, had one installed, too. The Dream has sinks by Cabanas, yes. Um, it's just by the main dining rooms that you use the sanitizer. Got it. Well, take us to the main dining room, because that was kind of an issue. We are both alike in that that we've really loved the the three dining rooms and the alternating experiences. And while Paulo and Remy are nice, we don't have to have that in order to have a great cruise. And yet the whole COVID, you have been really good, even though you've been to Walt Disney World a couple of times and have not dined indoors. And, and you and you know you enjoy your dining just as much as I do. You were kind of not sure where you were going to go with that. So tell us what your experience with that was. So uh, we actually, uh, when we were first uh, leaving our stateroom, so I guess one of the things to kind of take us, this is almost progressing without you realizing it, our first hour on the ship. So we went and looked at our stateroom, and as we, um, after that, actually technically on the way to that, we had to go do our muster drill, right, which is the lifeboat safety drill. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing now has, like, I, I hope they keep this even after COVID is over and even after they're done with safety protocols. So for those who have never cruised on Disney Cruise Line before, what used to happen is at a certain time of the day, they would start to play and you know, sample the alarms for you and would tell you where your muster drill station was, where you would go for if there were an emergency to then be briefed and board a lifeboat if that ever unfortunately happened. But everybody in your stateroom had to go, you had to line up, you had to check in and you had to stand there. And no matter how hot or, or windy or chilly it was, everybody in your party had to stand there during this ridiculously long, boring uh, presentation. And I say that because I know they had to do it, but if you have little kids and they're hot and they're hungry and they just want to go run around, it's like, oh, yeah. we just need to go. That process is now completely gone. What you do is on the app on your phone, we may talk later how indispensable the app has now become. You basically walk to your muster station and they all have letters and they're still out there helping guide you. And you go in your app 
and you basically take a picture of it with your phone that the app scans and recognize, okay, you know where this is and you're done. That's it. Completely done. So in about cool. 47 seconds, we were done with the mustard drill process, which also makes it easier as late as they are leaving to not have to take that half an hour, 45 minutes to do that, that lengthy mustard drill. I don't know that that will stay after COVID and, and the post pandemic processes are over, but I really hope it does. Cause that made, it sounds silly, but having that half an hour back really made that embarkation day more enjoyable. You did later, um, they did give you all the safety information overhead on the speaker. So you weren't, you weren't, you still got all of that information. It wasn't that they just let you go by just showing you where your spot was. Mm -hmm. So they did still give all that information for people who haven't cruised before. It is, it is interesting and good to know all of those, all of those things that the rest of us are kind of used to. So after we did that, we were walking back towards our stateroom and we actually saw, so all of the crew members that are kind of out there in their life vest helping point you where to go. I noticed that one of them had uh, the costume on of, of somebody on the dining team. Yeah. So I said, are you on the dining team? And she said, yes. And I said, okay, can we ask you some questions? I just said- This was our theme for the week. Yeah, can we ask you some basically asking, I mean, 2020, crew, crew members started to run the other way when they saw us. Um, so we basically said, so we are still, we have been very, very cautious about dining indoors. And that's probably the only thing about this experience that still we are undecided on. Can you tell us how the experience working? And she was, she was fantastic. She was very patient. Oh yes, I understand. And basically to boil it down, the dining experience structurally is the same. You still do a rotation where on a four night cruise, you do each dining location once, and then there's another one that you do a second time. So we basically did, uh, the first restaurant was Royal Palace. The second restaurant was uh, uh, Animator's Palette twice, so two nights in a row, and then we ended at Enchanted Garden. So that stayed the exact same. The things they have done, though, is first of all, they have removed a large number of tables so that there's more space in between the tables. They have staggered dining arrival times, like uh, the early seating has, I think there was a 5, 5.15, a 5.35, and a 5.55, so they stagger it so there's not all kinds of people waiting in the hall at the same restaurant coming in at the same time. Um, and then all of the menus are now digital, kind of like they're doing at the parks, where when you sit down at your table, uh, there's a little QR code that you scan and it pops up in the app and you never have to touch the menu unless you don't have a smartphone and you need one. Very cool, very cool. So you felt very comfortable with that experience. We did. There, one of the restaurants we were at, I think it was Animator's Palette, the first night, it did not feel like there were six feet in between us and the other table. And so we just basically told our server, could we possibly move to the other side of this table? Because we were at a large table and there were only mm -hmm. two of us. And he said, oh, yeah, no problem whatsoever. And in fact, when we tried indoor dining at one of the, the afternoon meals, they, they came and sat us down like in a big area where all of these tables, they weren't close but it was like, there's hardly anybody in this restaurant and they put us all in the same section. And so we said, we actually would love if we could sit a little further away from people. And the head server said, oh, absolutely. You just go sit wherever you want to sit and we'll follow you. So we kind of picked a little bit of corner of the restaurant. Now, again, we're going to have to hedge a lot of the things we're talking about today as we don't know how many of those things were a result of just a total change in operations or how many of those things are because 
the ship was apparently, you know, somewhere close to 25% capacity or whatever it ended up being. But nonetheless, for us, that's how it worked. And then cabanas uh, was basically the same cabanas experience, just not as many menu options. There were a couple of different stations and they kind of guided you where it was. You had to wait to walk up and be served your food and they didn't want more than one family standing in a little section. So like if a buffet of hot food at lunch had two different hot food sections, they would, they would stop and not let two families be up there getting their food. When one was done, then they would let you know, say, okay, you can go ahead and they would move you up and then they'd let the next ones in. Um, and that kind of helped things move. The servers would come and follow you wherever you sat. They would be on the lookout. They would walk and bring you your, uh, your silverware and your, you know, your napkin, your table setting. And then you would walk up to one of the soda fountains, tell them what you wanted. They would fill it and they would, and they would hand it to you. So to be honest, the dining experience wasn't really drastically different. If somebody had never cruised before, I don't know if they'd think a second thing of it other than the dining rooms clearly not being as full as they could have been. They also had in cabanas, um, they had every other table marked off so you couldn't sit right next to each other. So they had a little placard okay. on the tables and the same thing out on the pool decks. So there was, you were just sitting every other table. That way people weren't very close together. And actually surprisingly, um, we found it not, well, maybe not surprisingly, but maybe we found no problems finding a seat out on the pool deck. In fact, when we got there, you know, we got on it. I mean, we probably boarded the ship at around three, I think, which is really not a great time because you may have already eaten lunch, which, which we had before we got on. Mm -hmm. um, but, but we were eating at five fifty-five or whatever it was. We still went up to see the experience and kind of get a little bit of a bite. And there was one other person on, on the outside deck of cabanas and we got on in prime boarding time. And a couple people may have come here or there, but we had no problems distancing out on that outside pool deck. And every time we ate at Cabanas, that's where we ate was outside of that back pool deck. Cause if the weather wasn't bad, you know, there's always a breeze when you're back there. Yeah. And so it just, kept, it just, it allowed us to stay distance, but still enjoy the food. And you're such a quick walk back in if you want seconds, which surprisingly we never got, um, but uh, it was totally easy to, to find outside space there or up at the quick service locations on the pool deck. Very cool. Now, and, and the um, the fast food type eateries, um, the ice cream shop, uh, getting uh, your your um, your soft serve cone, any of those things stood out? Uh, yeah, at the ice cream station, uh, basically they had, well, and also going into flows, which is kind of the pool deck food, they had the queue lines marked, enter and exit, So, and they had somebody there guiding you, so that way everybody went in and out the same direction instead of having people sort of milling about everywhere. Um, for the ice cream, they had a, a crew member stationed to make the cone for you instead of you making your own, and then they have on the tables, they have a table between the crew member and the guests with a little, um, like a little holder that they could then set the ice cream cone in and you could take it out of the holder. So you, you weren't even like touching hands as they passed it to you. And, and they were, and they were masked and they were masked and they were gloved. Uh, same thing actually at the soda fountains, right? One of the things that mm. the Disney crew, that the Disney cruise line is kind of known for, it sounds like a silly thing, but they do not charge extra for soda packages. It's included. And a lot of people have said, what's going to happen to our soda? Um, yeah. It was not available. It was not available 24 hours like like it typically is. 
but as long as the soda was available, there was a crew member there and you would just walk up and we actually brought, we always bring uh, some old refillable mugs from Walt Disney World to carry around with us instead of buying, you know, drinks at the, at the bars or in the restaurants. And so um, we just said, at one point I started asking for two cups and he just said, oh, are you refilling? And I said, yes. And he just basically used the paper cup to, I, I put my cup down and never touched it. He filled up the little paper cup of the soda, poured it in mine, filled it up halfway, poured it in, and I was on my way. So that wasn't really um, a, a difference. Nothing was lost there. Now, there have been a couple times in the past where as a diabetic, if I needed to, like, at 2 in the morning, my blood sugar was low, and I said, ah, I don't have any sugar with me in the room, I would sometimes throw on my flip-flops and walk to the pool deck and get something. So that's not possible now, but that's by no means a deal-breaker by any stretch of the imagination. What did you What did you observe it as it related to the kids' clubs? None of your kids were with you, but what was your observation of that experience? So that was probably the biggest difference I think that we saw, and we actually we said we asked a lot of people. We actually stopped a couple of families and said, "Can we ask some questions?" And so uh, basically, <laughs> how things basically how things are happening is it's a well, first of all no nursery care as of now, and everybody told us whether it was a youth activities worker or uh, some of the, the guests we talked to, um, they all say, as of now, this could change. No, it's a small world nursery. So basically no childcare until you're three years old. And then what they're doing is you, you have to make a reservation in advance before you get on the ship or you can, that's when they want you to, for a time slot for your child in the club. Um, and it sounded like on at sea days, the time slots were in, uh, two and a half hours. All other days, they were an hour and a half. Mm. And what happens is, is in the past, your kids, once you check them in, basically had free reign of both clubs, both the um, Oceaneers Club and Oceaneers Lab. They could run back and forth between them. They could have lunch there if they wanted, um, and they could stay there as long as they wanted. They were typically open 9 a.m. until midnight. So that's a pretty long time. Um, now what happens, instead of having free reign, is that they, when they go to their time slot, they keep those limited to, I think they said 15 kids per group and your 15 kids ratio of 15 to one to one youth counselor. And they basically walk you around and you move to different stations doing programming in that same group. And one of the main reasons they're doing that is then there's contact tracing is made easy. If one of those children comes down and tests positive for COVID-19, then they are able to say, all right, this kid was with these other 14 children wow. on this day, so we need to let them know. And according to what the youth activities um, people told us, every one of those rotations includes a character experience of some sort, where Pluto might come. We saw Joy from Inside Out in there at one time. Mm -hmm. uh, and so... They're still doing a lot of the same They're programs still, as before. Correct. They're just doing them in these shorter time windows. Now, you can book those in advance. You can book one each day in advance. And then when you get on the ship as of that first night, if there are any more available, you can add more. The families we talked to said we could have easily booked back-to-back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back sessions if we wanted to because the clubs were not full. But again, that's one of those things that I say the disclaimer should be that's because there was ridiculously low capacity on this ship. If you're listening to this podcast in March of 2022, I don't want people to have false expectations. It's kind of like when the Disney parks yeah. first reopened, 
and everybody said, there's nobody here. This And there were people advertising, this is the absolute best time for everybody to go to Disney World because crowds are low. Well, as that started to not happen, then you have disappointment of people coming in April of 2021 and the crowds are not quite so low anymore. And it's because they expected it to be like when it was first open. So that will change. But our experience, the families we talked to, were that they could have easily added time if they wanted to. And this is all for the uh, for the Oceaneer Club and Oceaneer Lab, which yeah. is ages three to twelve. So mm-hmm. over twelve in in Edge and Vibe, everything's pretty much running the same as normal. Those kids are not not locked into a time slot. They can come and go as they please. Um, the one difference, we did go to every open house in all of these clubs so we can mm-hmm. talk to the, the crew members there. And they said they're not doing things around the ship. Like the older kids would, would do scavenger hunts and things like that. And they're not doing that. They are staying in their, in their, uh, in their clubs to just play. And, you know, they played video games and things like that. So they aren't doing as much out around the ship just to kind of keep people in one spot. Um, they, they did so. Actually, it's interesting because we obviously didn't tell each each crew member in those clubs, hey, we've been talking to everybody, but each of yeah. them independently said, uh, we are we all are kind of brainstorming and are currently like are continually discussing how we can be creative to find ways to bring some of those things back. Like one of them mentioned, we're not playing board games. Uh, I'm guessing it's because they don't want to have to worry about sanitizing, you know, Mr. Yeah. Monopoly and all of and all of his pieces. They said, however, we're trying to figure out, is there a way that we can come up with a board game version that can be played outside in the open air so you don't have to be that close to each other when you're playing? So they've talked about like multiple youth group counselors said that when uh, actually adult area um, entertainment hosts said the same thing. We're trying to find out ways of how can we change what we used to do to make it close to what we used to do, but also make sure that we're still safe when you're on a floating tube with people for four days, or eventually when the fantasy starts to sail again, seven days. Yeah. Yeah. So take us through entertainment. What did you observe there? So entertainment um, is basically the same, except for two major differences. One of them is that, and again, this is on a four night cruise. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing instead of doing a different big theater show every night, they boiled it down to just two. So if you've never sailed with Disney before, wow. typically what happens typically what happens on a four night cruise is their opening night is a little show that's kind of like the Academy Awards called the Golden Golden Mickeys, Mickeys are gone. Right? That may be the right? best uh, thing to have happened to this cruise line. <laughs> yeah, well, it's possible. Uh, so that so that 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 is gone. Um, then they would always do uh, another performance. Uh, typically a show called Believe. They would do one uh, Disney theatrical show on the uh-huh. dream of Beauty and the Beast. And then they would typically do a like an entertainer, like a, a juggler or something that would do a theater. Now, they're only doing two big shows. On this case, it was Beauty and the Beast and Believe. And they did them each twice on two nights. So you had four opportunities to see Beauty and the Beast and four opportunities to see Believe, which obviously is going to reduce capacity because while it's possible, and Disney would never have known if you had gone to all four showings of Beauty and the Beast if you wanted to, the likelihood that somebody does that is pretty slim. And so what happens is, is when you walk in with your party, they seat you and how they're spacing out in the Walt Disney Theater is every three seats are leaving three seats of space in between and then every other row. They're important okay. to let you know that they, they make sure they let you know that 
once you sit down, you can't hold seats and family can't join you later. And, you know, it's best that you and say, Hey, I'm finishing up trivia. I'll be down in five minutes. Cause yeah. they're not going to be yeah. seated with you. Cause they're, they're basing their entire seating on that. And then when you leave, they basically load from the back out, kind of like dismissing from a wedding. They're letting those go. And then they're kind of helping you out so that everybody doesn't just clump together um, in those, in those seats. And then they're also using the Walt Disney theater and they, they've done this before but it's not as common as it is now. They are also then showing some movies in the Walt Disney Theater during the day to give you more opportunities because obviously the Walt Disney Theater is much larger than the Buena Vista Theater, which is where the movies are typically shown. And so they were showing um, some of the movies on the ship in the Walt Disney Theater as well. To give uh, more to, space. To, to, to give people opportunities to space out, right. That, that's really ideal because the, those theaters uh, on the Fantasy and the Dream seat 1,340 guests. If you got a thousand people on board, that's two hundred and fifty per show, and that might be a little bit more on on the on the ship. But then again, there are a lot of returning people who have done a dozen or more uh, trips on these ships, and they don't even bother with those shows. So, so um, that's that's a really great way. Now, what about fireworks? Okay, so fireworks, then I want to make sure we get back. So if I forget, yell at me. I want to talk about the adult entertainment stuff, too, since we're oh, there okay. without kids. Um, so fireworks, uh, it's a brand new fireworks show. And uh, how they're doing the fireworks is they're doing it two nights. And you are, I don't know that they're ever going to require you to attend based on your dining, but they are asking you to. And the reason I know is because the app is so, so smart that it only shows you fireworks on the schedule on the night that they expect you to go. So if you are early dining, if they are, if you're early dining, you go first night. And if you're second dining, you go the second night. And they even tell you as much as saying, if on tonight, if on fireworks night, you dined in animators palette, which is on the back of the ship, you should go up to the, the pool deck in the back elevators. If you dined at Royal Palace, you should go up in the midship elevators, mm. and you should go. You should go in the forward elevators if you dined um, in Enchanted Garden, just to space people out. So you get up there, they ask if you're going to see the fireworks, and then they have the whole pool deck covered, and there are um, little social distancing circles. We can send some photos of that. Um, I actually did a video as well that kind of showed that setup, and they were set up probably an hour and a half to two hours before the fireworks. And they're spaced out at about eight feet, and you can stand there and wait. Um, the fireworks were pretty short; they were uh, maybe three and a half minutes or so. With music, with, with music with, part of the with show. With music, but the eight. music. I I think the music was a lot more Disney-ish than it has been in the past, if that's mm -hmm. even a word. Um, I I thought they were really well done. You very clearly knew when they were over. It was short, but again, you so don't no, get no, pi no pirate show previous. No, just no. No, yes and no. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no pirate show like normal, except that we still had pirate night in the dining rooms. Okay. Um, the waiters, the, the servers still wore their their pirate gear. There were still the pirate uh, like movies on all of, we were in animators palette. So at the, the movie screen still showed pirate stuff. They did okay. something new called, was it Buccaneer? I forgot that, that was actually one change that I suppose we overlooked about the dining experience is there's now a little tiny added experience in each dining room. Um, and if you have kids and you're listening and you want to be surprised or you're an adult and you want to be surprised, you should stop listening for a few seconds. I'll give time now. Uh, so basically, when you go into Royal Palace, 
the princesses were out kind of standing on that little stage and they were there was a barrier but they were all kind of waving at you as you were walking in and uh on pirate night uh you have a little experience where the entertainers come in dressed as pirates and they sing yo-ho and they do this whole we're taking over the ship join us and swirl your little pirate bandanas around that they provide for you cool. and then the coolest one is in enchanted garden which really needed something uh the characters mickey minnie uh donald goofy and pluto come through and do this whole little song about magic at sea or something like that and they do this little dance and they kind of run around and they get real close to the tables and kind of wave as they're dancing through it was really really cool <laughs> leah and i were like this is so cool and and obviously our, we're adults it was on our last night which right. ended up being a great sort of send-off because they're not doing the see a real soon party which normally is in the in the atrium and all the characters come out and wave goodbye to everyone and it's kind of the finale of the cruise mm. and they they aren't doing that so that people won't gather so for us it ended up we really love that this yep. little this little show was the last to be on piece. our last night yeah yeah so enchanted garden end up it ended up being perfect for our last night very uh, similar to what they're doing in the buffets uh on property correct. so correct. very cool um, and, and did yep, and did and they so, did they do crepes and turkey legs after, you know, that no. um, midnight meal? Or no, no, there was, no, 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 there was none of that going on up, up in, on the deck. And did you use, um, uh, did you uh, call for room service? We did. We did. We did. Partially Do you because... mean second dinner? <laughs> second. Isn't, isn't that what the hobbits call second David, dinner? Um, David, so taught me, David taught me that you should always, at the end of the day, call for two chocolate chip cookies and a Mickey Frozen bar and put them together as a sandwich. So that, that I learned from David. This is why you go yes. to David for, for tra as a travel agent. It has nothing to do, it has nothing to do with travel. It has everything to do with with uh food, food and entertainment <laughs> do mean, hacks so do you mean do you mean david the world's worst diabetic yes. uh, so yeah so uh we we did um still open 24 hours a day uh the only difference is that actually the menu is the exact same as i remember it uh, the only difference is that they no longer come in the room like if you ever did room service they would kind of hold the door open and they'd bring it in and set it on your bed. They kind of just wheel the cart right against your door. You know, they, they knock. And again, every single crew member when they're inside are masked. Uh, we, we, I mean, there's not, not a single exception to that. And then they kind of like have the tray right at the end of their little cart. And it's super easy to just grab it and walk it back and you're good. The nice thing too, is that um, it, you, like I used to worry about if I was gonna get a soda at Skyline or in the adult area, um, I was like, well, I don't know that I wanna be carrying cash around to hand the money the app now allows you to add a tip to a bill in a bar or a lounge even after you're gone to the end of that night you pull up the app pull up your folio and it asks if you want to add a tip and it shows the name of your server so you know who that tip's going to very cool okay so tell yeah, us about actually, oh yeah mm -hmm. just really quick speaking of that um the whole the whole ship is almost the whole ship is contactless. Normally, you've got your key to the world card, and you might you might tap it. I guess we did a couple of places we tapped it. If we to go get a soda from one of the bars, they just ask for your room number. They put it in, and the charge is totally taken care of that way. You don't even have to scan your card. 
they just automatically add it. And that's, that's why it was great when we found out that you could add a tip later because we weren't getting a little receipt to sign or anything. Mm. We were just, you know, giving them our room number. And then, so we, we were able to add that tip later. Helpful. Did, um, I, and, and was that the same thing with the little paper, the little papers, uh, envelopes they give you on the last night with the servers? And no, those they actually them. still gave us, but I'm assuming, but I'm assuming that's because um, they they want to make sure. Uh, we've always used that to, to give our servers and our stateroom hosts um, a little bit of an extra tip because if you look at the amount that they give on there, I mm. like they work way too hard for that yeah. that little. Um, so I, I'm guessing that I'm guessing that's what that for. They're they're going to get that tip anyway. But no, they actually still did that, and we were glad because then it made it. Or we didn't have to hand them cash. We could just stick it in the envelope, and they can open it next week if they want. You know, who knows? Okay. Take us to Castaway Key. So we were fortunate on this trip to have something that typically um, is a very sought-after cruise, and therefore much, much more expensive. Uh, we had what Disney Cruise Line fans refer to as, excuse me, as a double dip at Castaway Key. Uh, so we went there two days. We decided on the first day to stay on the ship in the morning when everybody else got off because we figured first day castaway, first cruise back after over a year and a half or so. And everybody pretty much did flock off the ship. And for a while, we had the pool deck almost virtually to ourselves. We rode uh, the aqueduct five times in a row. Uh, we got a little bit of a snack. We could have gone swimming in the pool. Nobody else would have been there. Uh, and then we did get off to, for castaway shortly after lunch. <laughs> We, uh, we ran the 5K on our own, and by running, I mean, <laughs> we, we walked, walked very, very slowly. slowly, took a break at Serenity Bay to grab a cup of cold orange juice and rest our feet and then walk back because it was 100 and, 106 with humidity, I think, that Ooh. day. So probably not the wisest of decisions, but nonetheless, yeah, we did it. Yeah, that is uh, not friendly. Uh, it was not. Uh, so Castaway Key was actually where I think we noticed the most that... It, it really felt like I had said that there were, if there were a thousand people on the ship, it actually felt more like 500 because there just was, there didn't seem to be any crowds. Uh, the beaches seemed to be, I'm not going to say empty, but they, it was definitely not as many people as there typically would be um, on Castaway Key. That place just really knows how to, how to disperse people with the two large beach family beaches and Serenity Bay. Cool. All oh, right, we're we're running out of time. Final, uh, final thoughts. Final recommendations from from you. We felt completely safe the entire time. We did a couple of things to uh, make sure that we kind of avoided some people if there were situations where we felt we weren't entirely comfortable. Uh, but other than that, we thought it was extremely safe. We loved it. If you've sailed Disney Cruise Line before, we think you will still love it. Is it going to be different than your last Disney Cruise? Absolutely. Like I'd be lying if we said otherwise. But that doesn't mean it's still not a Disney Cruise, because if there's any company that knows how to adjust, it's them. And if you've never been on a Disney Cruise, I still think it's one of the best possible cruises there because of what Disney offers is still Disney, and I still think you get that experience. Very good. Any other thoughts, Leah? Um, no, I'll just really quick mention, we sort of touched on the app earlier. That has been a fantastic addition. 
they had the app before the the shutdown, but it wasn't quite as functional. Mm. Now they removed wait phones from the state room, so all chatting and everything is done over the over the app. They've also added the feature that you can chat with cast members or crew members on the app. Yeah. So instead of having to go stand in line at guest services to ask a question, which obviously we said we've had lots of. Uh, we were able to just chat on the app. You can also, if you have more detailed questions or need need additional help, you can book an appointment for guest services, which is great. Then you can just walk up when it's your turn to go up instead of having to stand in line. Um, we talked about that you could add the the, uh, the tips on there. You can see the menus on there. Uh, you can see all the activities that are on the ships. You can you can click a little heart if there's an activity that you want to be reminded of, and it will. It will buzz and message you 15 minutes before so that you can remember about that. Were there, were there any other app features that you particularly uh, liked? You can now book your uh, your placeholder cruise, which is the opportunity for you to book another cruise at a discount and basically buy a, you're kind of buying a voucher to book another cruise within two years at a 10% discount. You can book that on the app now. It's extremely smooth. I mean, it takes like 35 seconds uh, to, to, to book there. So just a lot of functionality and the old app, I think, had a lot of problems with messages not always going through. We never had a problem with that at all. And they can then send you notifications and warnings. Uh, that's how you, uh, you know, the, if, if your virtual queue spot came up to get off of the ship at Castaway Key, they warned you and said, it's about time for your boarding group. Head downstairs to the gangway on deck, you know, one after wherever they were. Uh, they were debarking a castaway so it was just a really they they really did work and whether those things were in the work before covid or not you can tell they've really put work onto that app into making your life a lot easier and everything based in that phone uh, so it really it really made things a lot a lot smoother yeah we had a great time we really you know we said before we were kind of nervous it was a big step for us to to go from not really going anywhere to all of a sudden getting on a cruise ship for four days um, but we felt very safe. People seemed to follow the rules. We never, uh, elevators, you had to be by yourself. So we were never had to share an elevator with other people. Everyone had to be masked inside. Um, we also chose to be masked outside, but there were other people that were doing it as well. So that, that worked out fine. All the crew members were masked the whole time. People were really respectful of the rules and really just seemed to, to follow the, follow the rules, which for us really made us feel a lot safer. Uh, they cleaned constantly, which Disney Cruise Line always does anyway, but it was even more than normal, uh, which is a lot because Disney Cruise Line is, they, you, you always see them cleaning out on the deck well, everywhere. And, and, and speaking of that, I, I have long said, and I may have even before on the podcast with you have said, buffets in general kind of gross me out just because I, I you know, you, you, you see a kid that goes up and pulls the, the lever of the ice cream machine down and holds their mouth under it to do it, or they'll kind of wipe their nose and then grab the scoop for the corn or whatever it is. And so even pre-COVID, like five years ago, buffets yeah. always kind of grossed me out. I If they stick with this cast members or the, the, the crew members on the ship serving your food, it didn't mean I could get any less. If they got a scoop of something and I was like, I'd like a little more of that. I said, could I have another scoop? And they did it. If I wanted to get two of a dessert, I got it. Um, and so it didn't change the, the amount of food I got didn't change it at all. It may have taken 15 seconds longer, but I knew that they all had gloves on, they had masks on, they were staying clean. And so I got to think that's a lot easier where there's not those 
even if they rotate those um, scoops every 30 minutes or so, who knows what happens in those 30 minutes when I'm grabbing them and when I'm not. This way, it, it felt it felt much more clean, even COVID aside. Yeah, the whole so, it was fantastic. The whole thing. So here we are, ending on food again. So I just want yeah, to kind I, of draw that out. But hey. Yep. David Leah, thank you so much. Appreciate you sharing that insight. Fantastic and uh, and so helpful for anyone who's really seriously thinking about doing uh, a cruise anytime soon. So thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Again, my apologies for the difficulty we had a little bit with the audio it kind of went in and out in a couple of instances and again that's not our preference but i didn't want you to miss some of the really good insights and advice that david and leah shared and my appreciation to both of them for joining us to share their experience at um at disney at play and i by the way i need to let you know that um, I sponsor them and advertise them freely in my podcast. They don't pay for that, right? I do that because I think David and Leah do a terrific job as being a, tra they're my travel agent. And so I am happy to promote them. And I will tell you, you are just crazy to book and do all the crazy things that come with the Disney Cruise without using somebody like David and Leah. Um, they know Disney in ways few do, and they can make your next trip on land or sea or wherever an exciting one. Be sure to contact them as you explore their next vacation. In fact, also make sure in our disneyatplay.com, you check out their videos on Facebook, and we have a link to their site. So be sure to, to just... And they're linked to their organization and how to reach David if you are thinking about doing a cruise in the days to come or weeks to come or somewhere even in 22 or 20. Just make sure you check with David and Leah because they can really help you plan that trip and do it without, you know, there's no charge to utilize their services, but it will save you enormous time getting all the details right. And their insight can, can be assured that you're going to experience the best trip possible. So please, I, I'm, I'm telling you out of, the, out of my heart, visit Out the Door Travel with David and Leah Zanola. Well, that does it for this Disney at Play podcast. But I assure you, we got a lot more coming because the days leading up to the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World is just ahead of us. Um, I've secured uh, an opportunity to experience, uh, uh, I wanted to say Zootopia, Ratatouille over at Epcot in its preview days and we have got lots to cover. I was just at Walt Disney World today looking at things going on. We're going to have a big um, review of things happening over there just shortly. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast and you subscribe to DisneyAtPlay.com because it will notify you of posts and podcasts and other things as they come. So again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being part of this podcast. Thanks to David and Leah. And remember, wherever you travel, however you go about your life, always follow the compass of your heart. 
Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.